0: Log Talk Radio. <laughs> continuing to have issues with Blog Talk Radio. I'd like to apologize to everybody who tried to listen to last week's episode, but it just kept kicking me out, and then it kicked out our guest, and it was just better to try it again this week. It's still being temperamental, but hopefully things will work a little better this time. At least I hope they will. So um, hold on to your hat. We'll see what's coming up. And first off, let's just do a little housekeeping. And uh, I want to start out reminding everybody that uh, the number to call, if you have a question or a comment, or if you just want to listen and not through a uh, computer, you can reach us at 714 242 714-242-5253 5253 that's 714 242 5253 or toll free one eight seven seven six three three nine three eight nine. 633 9389 that's one eight seven seven six three three nine three eight nine. 633 9389 or you can also reach us through the chat room that uh, I am just opening up now so I hope that you will get a chance to do that. Although, as I say, since the Log Talk Radio is being a little funky tonight, hopefully uh, things will work out, but I'm not promising anything. And with that rather unuspicious start, I think we're going to go ahead and finish the housekeeping. And we're going to bring in Our guest for tonight, Paul Jewell, who I once again thank you very much for your patience. I'm sorry it's being so awful this time.
1: Well, I'm here, Sarah.
0: So we're already ahead of last week.
1: (laughs) Yes, we are.
0: So... Uh, I was really glad that that uh, you uh, were willing to come on the show and talk about this because it's a very interesting story and one that I don't think a lot of people are familiar with, even though uh, the Vinnie Rehm had connections right here in Iowa City. Uh, well, it's, so- a, it,
1: it's a very pertinent topic right now, too, Sarah, because uh, as most of the listeners know, uh we are replacing one of the statues in the Statutory Hall of Fame in, in Washington, D.C. Uh, the statue that is being replaced is actually the one of James Harland. Uh, but the other statue, which represents Iowa there, is the statue of Samuel Kirkwood, and that's the statue that was sculpted by Benny Rehm, a, a really fascinating woman of the late uh, 19th century.
0: She really is, and I'm very glad that, that you Uh, worked on trying to shine a light on her. So Let's start out, and why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you. Uh,
1: Well, my name, as you indicated, is Paul Jewell, and uh, I'm a a retired person living in Iowa City. And for the past uh, 13 or 14 years, uh, I've always had an interest in Iowa history, but for the past 13 or 14 years, uh, I've done some writing on uh, various people uh, who played a role in, in the history of Iowa.
0: And you've done some really interesting things, too. Uh, uh, Regular listeners will remember that we had Paul on to talk about Abraham Lincoln's grandchildren, which it it just always fascinates me that they ended up with such a strong Iowa connection.
1: Well, actually, it was uh, Lincoln's grandchildren that uh, kind of brought me to Vinnie Rehm. Um, I had heard of her before, and I knew that she had some Iowa City connections, uh, once I had read where she had spent some summers in Iowa City, but I really didn't realize the extent of it until I started to do uh, more research on uh, Abraham and Mary Lincoln, their, uh, their son, Robert, and, and his three children. Um, and then I realized that Vinnie Reem played a role in their life, too.
0: Well, uh, because I think there's probably a lot of people listening who don't know who, who Vinnie is... Uh, she was somebody who had a lot of firsts. Why don't you tell us some of, just some of the firsts that she had?
1: Well, probably the most important first uh, for Vinnie was, uh, as a, even as a teenager, uh, she had the distinction of getting the first uh, federal commission for an artistic piece of work, and uh, she uh, that piece of work was a full size statue, statue of Abraham Lincoln that is now in the rotunda of, of the Capitol in Washington D.C. Um, and uh, it was kind of a a natural talent for her uh, that she discovered uh, a few years uh, before she got that commission. Uh, Vinnie was actually born in our neighboring state of uh, Wisconsin. Uh, She was one of the first people born in Madison, Wisconsin. In fact, some people thought she had been the first, but there was actually a young woman with uh, the name Wisconsinianna, Victoria Peck uh, that was born there a year before, and uh, both Vinnie and Wisconsinna uh, were born in actually the, the same building. Uh, her parents uh, Vinnie's parents were running a kind of a log cabin that they called uh, the Madison House. Um, but most of her time was really spent with uh, the Winnebago Native Americans, uh, and uh, those were the first years of her life. The family then moved uh, to Missouri, and in Missouri uh, was actually where uh, she had some uh, some uh, formal education um, in history and math and uh, also in art and music uh, for a couple of years. And uh, she also had some cultural training there at what is now Columbia College. Uh, but at the time of the Civil War, the family had moved down to Arkansas, and as the Civil War broke out, um, her parents uh, brought her to Washington, D.C., along with her sister Mary. Uh, she had one brother, but the brother, uh, Robert, Jr., actually joined the Confederacy uh, at that time and stayed in in the in Arkansas.
0: Oh, so they were one of those split families, you always it was
1: Yeah, it was a split family.
0: Mm-hmm. So how did uh, Vinnie become a sculptor then?
1: Well, um, as the war began, uh, money was a problem, so uh, it was very unusual for uh, young women to work, but at just 15 years of age, uh, Vinnie took a job, so did Mary, her sister, as a dead letter clerk uh, for the U.S. Postal Service. Uh, her dad was also working uh, in a job at that time. Later he was with the cartography department, but at that time he was uh, actually governor uh, being one of the guards that guarded uh, federal buildings uh, because the uh, Civil War, of course, was not far away in Virginia. Um, but one day, um, she was going to her job, and she ran into a man named James Rollins, uh, who uh, was a congressman at the time, and he was from Missouri, and uh, the family knew him. And uh, so uh, the president of Columbia College had written back asking for perhaps that. uh Uh, Rollins could get a picture of Vinnie, a photograph, because uh, many of the students at the college had enjoyed her. She was a popular person, pretty well-rounded, and he wanted to use that picture of Vinnie as an example to inspire other people. Uh, But uh, he walked Vinnie home to ask her mother if he could uh, do that, and he actually was going to the studio of a man named Clark Mills, who was a sculptor. Um, and he was going to get a bust made of himself, so uh, then he went along. And while there, uh, she they threw her a lump of clay, and she produced a medallion of an uh, Indian chief's head, and they were so pleased with her skill and really astonished with her skill uh, that, uh, that that's what led her into the career of a sculptor.
0: So did she go on then to have any formal art training or did she work as an apprentice?
1: She really didn't. Uh immediately, uh, she was a very attractive young woman, a short woman with beautiful brown curls and big brown eyes. And uh immediately, uh Pretty much through uh, James Rollins, she started to meet a lot of the other people uh, in the Capitol. You know, at that time, uh, that that society was a pretty small society of the senators and congressmen, and uh, she got to know a lot of them, and many of them wanted uh, her to sculpt a medallion of them. Uh, But she really had her heart set on doing a a marble statue, and uh, they they kind of made some suggestions on who she should do, but she decided she wanted to do a bust of Abraham Lincoln. And, of course, they kind of laughed because they thought uh, this young girl, 16 years old, um, doing a bust of President Lincoln. Uh, but they did go, uh, some of them, and, and ask President Lincoln uh, if he would do it. And at first he said he was too homely and uh, didn't want to pose, and he was kind of tired of posing for photographers and artists. Uh, but uh, a man named Senator Nesbit was a man that was uh, doing the talking, and he said, well, you know, she's a poor girl coming from Wisconsin, a poor family. Uh, she does have talent. And at that point, President Lincoln just turned to him and said, well, she's poor, is she? Well, uh, that's nothing against her. Why don't you bring that girl up here, and I'll sit for her for my bust? And that's exactly what he did. She sat for several months in a corner of the White House, uh, observing uh, President Lincoln um, and, uh, and, and started to work on a bust of him. And yeah, then, yeah, of course: probably right about, Yeah, right about when she finished uh, was the point in which uh, President Lincoln was assassinated.
0: Well, Mary, I bet Mary Lincoln wasn't too fond of that happening. I mean, that's well, just I that's
1: yeah, I don't think I don't think Mary Lincoln was even aware of it uh, because Abraham and and uh, the people around him knew that she would be angered by that, and I don't think uh, she was aware of the fact that a teenage girl was uh, observing uh, her husband to do the bu- the bust. Uh, from letters that she wrote later, it sounded as if she was not aware of that. So.
0: Um, how was her bust received then?
1: It was received very well. Um, people said that she had really captured the the tra- tragic look in his eyes. Um, and she had said as, as she sat in that corner that many times there would be tears in his eyes. You know, Willie had died not long before that, and, and having the small young person uh, in the room kind of reminded him of his own son. Um, but after Lincoln had died, then uh, it was decided, Congress decided, that they wanted a full statue of President Lincoln, and uh, they authorized an award of $10,000, which would be about $140,000 in purchasing power today. And uh, by that time, he had a lot of friends uh, in the capital city, and uh, she was given the commission to the surprise of many uh, more experienced sculptors.
0: And this was the first federal commission to a woman, right?
1: Yeah, for a work of art, to a woman for a work of art.
0: Well, that's a pretty big accomplishment for uh, it's, a Yeah, it's, it's a ver-
1: very big accomplishment. Um, but she really uh, knew how to lobby for herself, um, and uh, she especially was good with older men. And uh, he, she could convince them, not only of her talent, but just of... Uh, her persistence really paid off.
0: Well, that's a model that I think all of uh, a lot of women could learn. I think I think
1: you're right. Mhm. It was actually, at the time of the commission, it was actually James Harland from Mount Pleasant, Iowa, that who at that time was Secretary of the Interior. Abraham Lincoln had named him Secretary of the Interior before he was assassinated, and, of course, that began the Johnson administration. And it was actually James Harland that signed the contract with uh, Vinnie Ream to do the statue. So we have another Iowa connection there. It, it And an uh,
0: important one at that, you know, it's it's amazing to me how many important people came from Iowa in the 19th century and they have just been lost i mean yes, uh, yes. they've done a horrible job of of teaching iowans their own history it's well
1: i, I felt that way that i felt that way too as the discussions uh, concerning the two statues that would represent uh, the the state um james harland actually uh uh, was really the, one of the first Republicans. He was the re- first Republican senator from Iowa, but he was also kind of a founder of the uh, Republican Party in Iowa. Uh, some of the Whigs, that, that party was fading away, and they got together and actually created the Republican Party. So he had a lot of uh, of influence uh, during his time, that's for sure. And Kirkwood, the other one that uh, you know, I've heard people talk about wanting to take his statue out, he was actually the first... Uh, uh, Iowan that served as governor of the state, uh, uh, as a senator, and also uh, in the uh, presidential cabinet. And I don't think any other Iowan has ever done that.
0: No, and and he uh, Kirkwood, well no, Harlan was one of the people who got to be in Abraham Lincoln's death r- room. I yes, mean, he was. They were big, important people nationally.
1: They were not just very in Iowa. Yes, very important nationally.
0: So um, then he got this first commission, and uh, did, did it, she obviously couldn't do it from uh, life this time, but was it also well-received?
1: Well, it was. Uh, Vinnie wanted to find the very best marble, and, of course, uh, many Americans were using Vermont marble, but she wanted to go to Italy. So she and her mother and father uh, went to Italy for two years to find the very best marble, the Carrara marble, uh and that's the same marble that Michelangelo used for the statue of David. I mean it's this really pure marble that almost looks like skin. I mean it's just such beautiful marble. And uh so uh, she carved uh the Lincoln statue and several other statues during uh her two years uh in Europe with her parents. And then she came back, brought the statue back. After traveling the continent some and spending a lot of time in Italy, meeting many, many important people during that time, too, uh, in Europe, and she brought the statue back with her, and it was unveiled. Uh, By that time, uh, the president was President Grant, and it was unveiled, and uh, many people thought it uh, was a beautiful statue. It's a statue that some of the listeners might remember at the time of Kennedy's, President Kennedy's death. Uh, his body lay in the rotunda for a period of time, and often the television cameras would show the Vinnie statue of Lincoln, and it almost looked like Lincoln was sadly looking down on uh, President John Kennedy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, not everybody, of course, uh, thought Vinnie's work was was quite as nice as some of the others. Uh, the, there were people that that criticized uh, her work. Um, many of them. It seemed as if nobody could talk about Vinnie Ream without having to talk about her her uh, appearance. It seemed to have to be a part of everything. And you know, a, a, a male sculptor, nobody would say those things, but. Um, they would love to talk about her lovely dark eyes and her raven uh, lashes and her, her finely shaped nose and tiny pink fingers and, and all kinds of things, her clothing. Um, and they, they used adjectives like flirtatious and um, all, uh, various things uh, in regards to a woman sculptor that they wouldn't have used in regards to a man sculptor.
0: No, I wouldn't think so. Um, so, I'm um, I might be getting out of order here, but, but, um, was next when she got the, uh, studio at the Capitol building?
1: Yes. She had the, had a studio at the Capitol bu- building for a period of time, um, and, uh, A lot of the senators and congressmen would come, even the ones that had argued uh, on the floor, uh, they liked to come to Vinnie's studio. Um, It was a welcome spot. There was a big fireplace there, and uh, they would comment on her work. You know, at that time, uh, the men that came to Washington, and it was mainly men that were making the laws, of course, at that time, but many of them came without their their wives or, or children. And they would go back to their home states for periods of time. But they were lonely. And they were always looking for um, some place to kind of hang out, as we would say today, but just to be with other people and to have a social life there, too. Um, so her area was a, a popular area.
0: So it's almost like a salon.
1: Yeah, almost like a salon. But that was criticized, too, because it, some even talked about the red curtains just making it sound as if it was a, kind of a forbidden place or a sinful place.
0: Yeah, sadly, women still face that today sometimes.
1: Yes, yes, that's true.
0: So uh, tell us about Vinnie and the 1871 World's Fair in New York City.
1: Uh, well, there were several fairs and exhibitions uh, that Vinnie um showed her work at uh there was one in 1871 that was in new york city but probably the more important one was the 1876 centennial exposition in in philadelphia and uh, that was the one that uh they were promised a woman's exhibition in the main building um but uh and most of the women joined together and, and raised some money to build that pavilion. Uh, but Vinnie didn't want to be part of it at all. She didn't believe in the segregation of the women and didn't want to be in that pavilion uh, wanting more control. So they finally gave her space in in the Memorial Hall, and that was actually where President Grant opened the, the event. And uh, many people came through uh, during that time to see Vinnie's work. Uh, some of her best work was there, Spirit of the Carnival in the West and A uh, Bust of a Child. Um, even though she didn't receive any awards with it, uh, she received many compliments for her work.
0: Well, I just love the fact that she stood up and didn't want to be part of the women's building, because I always did think that was kind of right. You know, the right. women off to the side whenever you hear about that with the World Fair. So I love that she was not having any, any stock with that. She was going to... Make, go where she wanted to go. I love that.
1: Well, it was kind of a sad event for Vinnie because she had been a pretty close friend of uh, General Custer, and just months before the opening of that centennial exposition uh, was when uh, General Custer had been uh, killed uh, out west at the Battle of Little Bighorn.
0: So uh, Vinnie had a lot of famous friends like Custer. Uh, yeah. go ahead and drop some more names?
1: Well, she did have uh, General Custer, and also his uh, wife uh, was a good friend. His wife Elizabeth, um, and he, she had done uh, a bust of him in the studio too, um, that she never finished. Uh, just, it, it, she just stopped at the time of his death, and it remained unfinished. And then he told others that it. it uh, she allowed it to be incomplete to symbol, symbolize his unfinished destiny. Uh, she was also a good friend of General Sherman uh, from Sherman's March to the Sea. In fact, a very good friend. And there were a lot of rumors that they might be having some kind of a, an affair. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's always hard to tell from the letters of that time period. Um, uh, but uh, there was some talk uh, in from around 1873 that there were some secretive letters back and forth between the uh, general uh, sherman and and benny ream uh... actually uh... general sherman william tecumseh sherman uh, he was married um, uh... since eighteen fifty and had six children and his wife was a very a uh, devout catholic uh... woman Um, and actually moved to Notre Dame, uh, South Bend, Indiana, so that her children could go to Notre Dame and St. Mary's College. And and one of General Sherman's sons uh, became a Jesuit priest and and presided over his father's funeral. I don't think there was as much there as as people have made it to be, but I, I don't know that for sure. I do know that when Vinnie eventually married, it was General Sherman that gave her away because her father was ill, so he walked her down the aisle.
0: Well, that does sort of lean towards a different kind of relationship. Yeah,
1: it was always hard to know uh, because uh, some some of the people looked uh, upon Vinnie, some of the older men looked upon her as a daughter, uh, some of them looked upon her as a granddaughter, and some of them, uh, in their minds at least, uh, looked upon her as a potential lover or mistress.
0: Yeah, it it would be hard to untangle, especially from 19th century letters that tend to be a lot more effusive and flowery even in the most seed relationship.
1: Right, it is hard to know. I I love the uh, one time uh, Vinnie was kind of down and and Sherman was trying to uh, make her feel better because uh, she had read a newspaper article about her that uh, was very critical. And Sherman turned to Vinnie and he said, Vinnie, You must remember that lightning always strikes the highest steeples. And I thought that was a real good quote.
0: It is. That was very nice.
1: Uh, She also, um, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, uh, knew Vinnie and tried to get her into the women's movement. But uh, Vinnie had found over the years that the people that were the most critical of her were actually other women, Um, and she was not about to uh, jump into the women's movement at that time. Um, She said to uh, Elizabeth Stanton that um, women really hadn't been very helpful in her career, and it was the men uh, who had helped her advance. Um, And she was quick to cite to uh, Stanton uh, letters to the editor written by women that were really critical of not only her work but also her character. Uh, another man that she uh, knew and liked was Elias Boudinnet. um was his name. He was from Oklahoma, and uh, in fact, uh, he was uh, responsible for, it, it's a long story behind him, and it's another man that has uh, kind of been lost in history, but uh, Vinnie developed a lot of friends in, from Oklahoma, and they even named a town Vinita, which is her given name, uh, after her and it's still in Oklahoma. They have a little museum there in honor of Vinnie. Um, it was uh, it was Boudinot that uh, actually uh, suggested uh, that Oklahoma's uh, statue uh, in the Hall of Fame um, should be that of Sequoia, who was a uh, Native American uh, who developed the Cherokee alphabet. And uh, later, uh, Vinny sculpted that uh, statue for the Hall of Fame. Uh Budno married, uh, but it was said later on that as he lay dying, his very last words were that he uttered in life were, Vinnie Rehm. Wow. And uh, she, she was a good friend of uh, Ezra Cornell, for whom uh, Cornell University was established. Uh, Horace Greeley at first liked um, Vinnie Reem very much, but she did a uh, bust of him that, he saw as a caricature and was very unhappy, uh, but it actually looked about like Horace Greeley. But he, he evidently in his mind, he pictured himself as a much more handsome man. And uh, so he used his uh, newspaper uh, to attack her for, for many years.
0: Well, that was kind of being a spoiled sport.
1: Well, it kind of was, um, but maybe that was his personality. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, She did know General Grant. She knew General Grant very well, uh, but he was not helpful to Vinnie over the years. Um, And I think part of that was because of Julia Dent Grant, his wife. Um, She was suspicious of Vinnie and really didn't want uh, uh, President Grant around her very much. Um, One time, I've read a reference to it. um, uh, uh, Julia Grant said uh, that women should be in in their homes. Uh, caring for their husbands and children. and She felt that if a woman went out into the workplace, she became kind of battle-hardened, and this made them un- unwomanly. Um, and one time somebody asked her what unmarried woman- women should do, and she replied, well, they should get a husband.
0: Oh, that's nice. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, of course, Mary Todd Lincoln uh, knew of Vinnie, it um, did not think she should have uh, gotten the uh, commission for the statue. Um, she was also kind of spoke down to uh, Vinnie. Uh, she said one time she said that Vinnie's home was far removed from the Lincolns, uh, and he, uh, meaning her husband, hadn't had any time for people who didn't work with him daily to save the great uh, nation during the war, and that Vinnie's name was not on the list of people she and her husband knew. So you can tell by those comments that uh, she she once called Vinnie a very, had a very unladylike persistence to her.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think Mary Lincoln would have liked her at all.
1: No, <laughs> I think you're right, Sarah. But the next big commission uh, that Vinnie won uh, was in 1872, uh, and uh, Congress gave her a commission to do a, uh, a statue of Admiral Farragut, David Farragut. Um, and he was a man, if you remember history, that said, damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead. And uh, she did a large statue, a Farragut statue, that still stands uh, in Farragut Square uh, in Washington, D.C. Um, it was a huge statue and took uh, Vinnie about three years of work uh, to do it. Um they actually, it was made out of uh, the bronze that she used was actually made out of the propeller of his ship, the Hartford. Um, oh, and, wow. And they show him uh, standing there with a telescope in his hand and his right foot resting on a tackle box. And, and it was during this time, too, that uh, uh, Iowa really comes into the picture because uh, while she was uh, sculpting uh, Admiral Farragut's son, whose name was Loyal, uh, came for a visit, and he brought along uh, one of his West Point classmates. And that West Point classmate was a man named Richard Hoxie. And that's the man uh, that seemingly fell immediately in love with Vinnie, and uh, she fell in love with him. And they were married on May 28, 1878. And Richard Hoxie had a really interesting background um he he was actually born in new york um but uh his family uh took him to uh italy his mother and father and uh while there uh the mother died and uh, he came back uh, he and his uh, siblings came back on a ship uh his father uh, had some business to do and came back on another ship and that ship went down at sea uh so Richard became an orphan and uh, had an aunt uh living in Iowa City, Iowa. So as a in his early teens, uh, he came to Iowa City to live with her. And uh, they had a home at uh, 310 South Lucas Street, and that house is uh, still there today and that's the house that uh, Richard was uh, was raised in. You know, my
0: grandmother lived on Lucas Street. That's kind of uh. funny.
1: Yeah, in that area, do you know?
0: Yeah. So uh, he had been raised there, but he's gotten to uh, West Point in Washington, D.C. So did he, uh, once he got married, did he come back to Iowa City very much?
1: um well uh, kind of the way that worked was uh he he enlisted as a bugler uh in the civil war uh he was noted as being very intelligent and uh he was a very handsome man too a tan face over six foot tall and big broad shoulders um and it was uh it was uh he was nominated by uh Governor uh kirkwood uh to west Point and uh he became an engineer he learned to be an engineer uh, uh during his time at West Point Point. and uh they came even on their honeymoon back to Iowa to see his aunt and uncle uh they had no children um uh, so uh Vanbury were, was their name and uh they kind of took in uh they kind of took in Richard as their own son
0: and they had been living in Iowa City for for uh, some time. For a very there. long time.
1: Of... Yeah, they were one of... In fact, uh, Mr. Banbury, uh, uh, Richard's uncle, had been one of the people that b- built Old Capitol. Um, so they had been here since 1840 or 1841. Um, and they loved Richard uh, very much. And, of course, they loved Vinnie as soon as they met her. And that began uh, at the time of their wedding... Uh, in 1878. That began uh, summers and long periods of time in Iowa City they spent until uh, 1914. Uh, so, from 1878 to 1914, uh, they spent a portion of every year uh, here in Iowa City on South Lucas Street.
0: Which sounds like a legitimate reason for us to claim her to me.
1: <laughs> That's right, I think so. Uh, during that time, too, uh, kind of interestingly enough, they had one son. Uh, whose name was uh, they was Richard uh Reem Hoxie um uh, they called him Richie and he was born in 1883 and that was the only child uh that Richard and and Vinnie had um but uh when he was about 6 years old uh his family reported that R- uh, Richie uh had, while he was in Washington DC a playmate had accidentally shot him with an air rifle in the head it, and this uh, pellet had uh, penetrated his skull and put some pressure on his brain. And uh, so he began, uh, they said, to act uh, strangely. Um, I guess surgeons had told them to, that they could remove the pellet, but it it might... Uh, Cause him to die, he couldn't maybe would not survive the operation. So Vinnie supposedly r- refused to allow the operation, and because of that, uh, Richie remained at kind of a low mental level uh, for the rest of his life. Um, now uh, some researchers have looked into that story, and there didn't appear to be any uh, any any police report or medical records at that time to confirm the accident and some people have uh, speculated that richie perhaps uh, suffered from a mental illness maybe schizophrenia and the the foxes felt you know what what with the social customs of the times uh, that they could avoid a difficult situation by uh, just saying that his mental uh, condition was because of this childhood accident um, he never married, and even as an adult, uh, he stayed always by Benny's side. But he really enjoyed coming to Iowa City. Uh, they had a barn on the property. Uh, they actually owned, the the Banberries and the Hoxies owned four acres. Um, so they owned one whole square block um, along Burlington Street and Lucas Street. Um, and so there were a lot of woods. There were a lot of fruit trees. A very pleasant spot for for the family to live. Now, of course, it's all been developed, so there's there's homes there. But uh, their house is still amongst those homes.
0: Well, that's nice that it's still there. Is there yeah. any kind of marker or anything? There's
1: no marker. No, there's no marker. Um, later on, um, when the family was finished with the land, just so that the Iowa City listeners at least will know what I'm talking about, uh, at that time the property then was sold, the rest of the property except for uh, the, the the house, the Banbury-Hoxie house, and a couple of lots on either side of it on South Lucas Street, the, it was sold to Kappa Alpha Theta sorority, uh, that whole area. And if you know uh, two big sororities in a row on the south side of Burlington Street, uh, that's the Kappa Alpha Theta sorority and the Zeta Tau Alpha sorority. Uh, later, the Theta thetas sold off the lot next to them uh, to another sorority, and that's why there's two sororities there. But that's the area that the Manberries and Hoxie's owned.
0: So right in the heart of residential Iowa City.
1: But at that time, it was on the edge of town.
0: Yes, Iowa City really has grown out in that direction. Right. It was right. only
1: one block from Summit Street, and at one time, Summit Street was considered to be the easternmost city of, of Iowa City.
0: Uh, yeah, my my uh, grandmother always talked about how uh, when she she was in um, the sec- second class, I think that graduated from the as she always called it, the new city high building.
1: Out in the country. Yeah,
0: out in the country. Right.
1: I've heard that before, too, yeah. Really, uh, actually, Vinny and Richard really entered into uh, life in Iowa City when they were here. They just enjoyed it. Uh, She did not go on with her sculpting, though, for a long period of time. Again, if you think back to that time period, most men felt that a working wife – it, it would make it appear as if the man could not support the family. Uh, but Richard was also concerned about Denny's health because she began to have some kidney problems, and uh, so he wanted her just to take care of Richie and to be at home. Uh, so consequently, she did put aside uh, most of her artistic expression. Um, some years later, she had a slight heart attack, they thought, and doctors told uh told richard that um maybe that was the fact that she had a a need to express herself through art and it was at that time that uh, they made the decision for her to do some artistic things once again
0: well i'm uh, glad that they came to that decision because she certainly was very talented and yes. um, her even her later pieces are are very well done yes so uh let's talk about her um Samuel Kirkwood statue. How
1: did that uh, come about? Yeah. Um, well, again, uh, in about, oh nineteen hundred nineteen oh two, 1900, 1902, uh, the state of Iowa decided that they needed uh, two statues in the Statutory Hall of Fame. And so they talked about various people that uh, had made a, an impression on the state of Iowa. At that time, you didn't have to be born here. Um, not many of the people were that had achieved things by that time. Most of them had come in from eastern states, um, as had Kirkwood and James Harlan. But uh, uh, they decided finally that they would do one of James Harlan because of his influence in the state, and the other one would be at Samuel Kirkwood. And uh, I, two, uh, two women that had some Iowa ties uh, were chosen to do them, and uh, Vinnie was chosen to do the one of Samuel Kirkwood. And she completed that in 1913. Um, and the other one, the James Harland one, which is now being taken out of the Statutory Hall of Fame and uh, b- being replaced with a statue of Norman Borlaug, um, that was completed in 1910. And that was done by a woman from Red Oak, Iowa, uh, named Nellie Walker. So there's an Iowa connection uh, with the sculpture, sculptors of both of those works.
0: And uh, I think that is is so nice that, you know, Iowa women were the ones that came yes. up with the statues.
1: Yes, I think so, too. And, of course, Vinnie was very proud of, of the statue of Samuel Kirkwood. They knew the Kirkwoods. Uh, you know, Iowa City was a small town, and being here as much as they were, and the Kirkwoods had retired here, um, not just a few blocks from uh, 310 South Lucas Street. So uh, they were friends. And so, especially Mrs. Kirkwood, because uh, uh, Governor Kirkwood had died. So Mrs. Kirkwood was really in favor of Vinnie uh, getting that commission uh, to do uh, the statue of her husband. Um, I think that's going to come back to, it appears as if the Iowa legislature is going to send that statue to Mount Pleasant. Um, so uh, it James Harlan will return to the town that he loved so much.
0: Well, I guess there, uh, I, I guess there could be worse ends for the statue if it couldn't stay where it was.
1: Yes, I, I think the people of Mount Pleasant are very pleased uh, that it might uh, come back to their city. Um, the, the, but then the other interesting part of that is, of course, Vinnie's. Uh, problems continued with her uh, kidneys. And in 1914, um, while in Iowa City and out in the garden area uh, near 310 South Lucas, uh, she collapsed. And uh, they took her in a private rail train to Washington, D.C. They had a large home, actually a large home right on Farragut Square, so Vinnie could look out of her window and see the statue of Farragut that she had done. And They tried to save her, uh, but she passed away in November of 1914. Uh, Richard, of course, was, was still living, and she was just, I think, 67 years old, so a relatively uh, young woman by today's standards, at least. Uh, Richie was there uh, when she uh, collapsed, um, but uh, you know he he couldn't help her much. But there there were certainly other people there to help her. A lot of the university uh, young women would come up and, and sit in the old house. Of course, it was not only you know Vinnie was older at that time, but it had been the Banbury House, so it was really an old house at that time too, and uh, decorated in an old-fashioned manner. But uh, the young college uh, women loved to come up and hear her stories. But after well, I her death, a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, just before her death she got the commission to do the Sequoia uh, statue for um, the state of Oklahoma but she had not totally finished that uh, at the time of her death so it was finished by a man named Zolney, and it uh, appeared in the Statutory Hall of Fame in 1917 Uh, but uh, later Richard uh, uh, remarried in fact uh, married a friend of Vinny's and uh, then he continued to come to Iowa City with uh, his second wife. Uh, some some said that Vinnie, when she knew she was dying, suggested uh, that he marry this woman. And, and they got active in Iowa City society, too. Um, Vinnie was buried at Arlington, and uh, actually one of her statues, the statue of Sappho, um, is uh, over the grave of uh, uh, Vinnie and Richard um, in Arlington Cemetery in Washington, D.C., uh, but during those uh, days uh, and years uh, following uh, Vinnie's death, um, the uh, Hoxies, uh, uh, Ruth, that now the second wife, Ruth, and Richard, became real active with uh, the old settlers' organization here in town. And at one point they suggested, well, you know, the, the uh The model for uh, Kirkwood is still in Washington, D.C. at the Hoxie Home. Why don't we make another statue and uh, let's put it in Old Capitol? Um, So that's what they did. Um, They used so an identical statue to the one uh, that is in Washington, D.C. was created um, from the model that uh, she had used. And the old settlers then presented that to Old Capitol, and they placed it in the Old Capitol building uh, in in Iowa City, and,
0: and that was in 1927. Uh, in
1: 1927,
0: and at that time, the University of Iowa is a lot smaller, so students were actually having classes in Old Capitol. They were. And, and they and were. Were there so. So people would have seen this a lot, going and walked right right by it and seen they it. They would be have, well Yeah, if it.
1: Yes. it was in, uh, it was on the the main floor uh, in the north hallway is where it was, um, and uh, it, you know it was probably not appropriate for Old Capitol at that time simply because uh, Samuel Kirkwood as governor. Uh, they had moved the capitol to Des Moines in 1857, so he never uh, was governor in that particular building. Uh, but because of the Iowa City connection, uh, they wanted that statue to be here. And, of course, the, the old settlers at that time thought so much of uh, Samuel Kirkwood that they wanted to keep the, the statue there. But then, of course, at, uh, in uh in uh, 1974 or so, they started to reorganize the community college districts in Iowa, and uh, it was suggested that the Cedar Rapids area—I think it was Area 10 at that time—and they decided that it needed a different name. So they 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 had several names uh, to narrow it down to several names. Uh, one of them was Kiowa Community College. Uh, Some suggested Shadow Hills Community College. Uh, Another suggestion was Cedar Valley Community College. But the one that was chosen was Kirkwood Community College. Uh, So at that time, uh, for the bicentennial, uh, they were making the Old Capitol, taking students' classes in the presidential uh, uh, office out of the Old Capitol and making it in a museum. So the University of Iowa uh, offered it to Kirkwood Community College uh so you can go to Kirkwood Community College and see Vinny's work there uh it's in Lynn Hall I believe
0: uh it actually got moved uh, oh dead. it was in Lynn Hall for many many years but they just recently put a roundabout as the main entrance and they and they're redoing Lynn Hall so they moved him to the center of the roundabout so if I you see. come in the main gate uh uh-huh. you'll see him on this little island thing I see mm-hmm so, um, yeah, and they actually had to refresh him when they moved him over because the where he's in the old capital, he kind of got a little bit beat up. Because he
1: did. It was during those years, uh, right following the Vietnam War, during the Vietnam War, students, uh, uh, oh, they would put uh, uh, nail polish on him and, uh, you know, all kinds of things, write their names on the side of the statue. So um, that was probably not the best spot for the statue at that time. I think it's very appropriate. It's at Kirkwood Community College.
0: Yes, and I think it's it's very good that it's there. Yeah. So um, if people want to learn more about Vinny, where do you suggest they look? Uh,
1: Well, I... You know, I would recommend a booklet that I did um, on Vinnie Rehm. Uh It's a spiral-bound booklet, about uh, 60, 70 pages, um, full of pictures about Vinnie Rehm. And it's called A Curious Iowa Connection, uh, Vinnie Reem and the Statue of Samuel Kirkwood, by me, by Paul C. Jewell. And that's available in several different spots in in the area. They have some copies at the Cave House in Swisher, Iowa, uh, they've got some at Prairie Lights, downtown Iowa City, and uh, some in the Old Capitol Museum, and a few copies out at uh, the Johnson County Historical Society building. And that's a good way to start, I think. Uh, Irving Weber also wrote about Vinnie Reem. He actually remembered as a boy walking by the house, and uh, uh, at the time he was writing, there were still people here in Iowa City that uh, remembered meeting her, too, um so in some of uh, Irving Weber's books he talks about uh, Vinnie Reem. But if you google her you'll see uh, some fine biographies on on Vinnie Reem and, and that that time period.
0: Are there museums that have uh collections of her work if people yes. want to see more?
1: Yes, and in uh, Des Moines at the State Historical Society in Des Moines, they've got one of her I think really beautiful statues called America. Um I like it very much um, and have seen it there. But um, because she was from Wisconsin originally or born in Wisconsin, they've got a lot of her items. They've got uh, in the State Historical Society in Madison, they've got her spirit of the carnival, it's called, and it sits out in a stairway, uh, so you can walk all around it and take a look at it. But that's in marble, as is uh, the America, the Bust America that she did in, in that's in Des Moines. Um, also in in Madison, and I went there and spent some time doing my research. They've got all of her sculpting tools there um that uh, that she used uh, uh Ruth uh, the woman that married Richard later uh she instead of being jealous of the woman that had preceded her in Richard's life uh, she really uh, tried to do everything she could to promote um, the memory of Vinnie Reem. And she was the one that gave the sculpturing tools. And also Vinnie uh, was excellent on the harp. And so the harp that Vinnie played is also uh, in the State Historical Society in Madison, Wisconsin. So uh, yes, there are, in answer to your question, Sarah, there are spots around where you can still see her work.
0: Well, it, it just is such an impressive story i think that this this pioneering woman um created really when she was was very young these magnificent works of art and many of whom are still at really important places not only around iowa but around the nation's capital and mm-hmm. um I, i'm just so glad that you could help get the story out because uh, i think it's one that um we need to uh, encourage and tell people because I think uh, it's really inspiring. And uh, hopefully even um, in addition to the, the her talent and the art, I think just the way that she didn't let anything stop her and she made up her mind about what she wanted to do and was very good about uh, promoting herself, I just think those are all things that we can try and be a little bit more Vinny-like.
1: Oh, I think so too. I agree with you. It was really fun to research her life. You know, I I enjoy researching uh, the lives of of people that had vision and, and people that uh, wanted to achieve something uh, for others to enjoy after they were gone. And and that was certainly the story of Vinnie Reem. I I she uh, was. It's really the American story, isn't it, for a woman to against all odds uh, to. to to really pursue her goals. Uh, I think some people have been kind of hard on Richard, uh, but Richard was just a man of his times, too. Um, And uh, I I would have liked to have seen some of the things she could have done during her lifetime, but um, I know she had a lot of obligations going there, too.
0: Well, the the thing I like is that he uh, changed his mind. I mean, I always think that's a mark yeah. of somebody who has a true intellect, is that yeah. when faced yeah. with new information, it doesn't hold to the prerequisites no matter what. Right.
1: So and I the always time, give him credit the, for that. And the times were changing, too. But he was willing to go with the changing times, even as he aged, and, and that was good. Yeah, I, I admired uh, Richard, too. And he died Probably. in 1930, and at that time, of course, it was all sold, uh, the land was sold. At the time they lived there, interestingly enough, there was only one building on those four acres besides the Hoxie home, and that was the little um, uh, the African uh, Methodist church um, that is, I don't know what street that's on, it, it kind of is tucked into the corner, it's one of the oldest African American churches, or... Uh, mm-hmm. African Methodist churches, I think, in the area. Uh, but that was the only building uh, that was on those four acres. Uh, they had lovely woods on there so and a lot of wildflowers that were native to the area.
0: Well, it's too bad that it's, uh, that it's... Well, I guess I shouldn't say it's too bad. I'm sure the people who live there are very happy it got built up. But
1: yeah. I'm sure it would have
0: been nice. It's more sort of like... Plum Grove is with having... Yeah, the it would have been
1: a nice stuff. park, because I think Plum Grove is about four acres, too, so it would have been about that amount of, of land that uh, they owned.
0: I'm all for that. I need a little land around me. Yeah. <laughs> we got to... <laughs> We've got a couple of minutes left. So uh, do you have any new projects coming up, or do you want to talk well, about some of your, your former yeah. ones? Yeah,
1: you know, I do uh, a lot of things that uh, I, I call myself really a storyteller um, because uh, I like to do research and investigate them. I just finished one. I'm actually speaking on it uh, a little out in uh, Tipton um, on April 10th, And that is entitled uh, Sarah Bernhardt and Rochester, Iowa. And it deals with a legend that the famous actress, French actress Sarah Bernhardt, uh, might have spent some of her childhood years in Rochester, Iowa. And that was really, other people have researched it, but I tried to research it in a little different way and uh, produced a a small 30, 30, 40-page booklet on it and the people in Cedar County have been quite pleased to to see that and uh, to recognize one of their towns.
0: Sarah Bernhardt uh, wrote some um, uh, biography pieces, and Rose Wilder Lane translated them into English for
1: her. Oh, I so didn't know the that. There's
0: a connection, yep.
1: I did, had no idea of that. That is very interesting, yeah.
0: So um that's your newest one. Did you uh, and we talked about the, the Lincoln's grandchildren one. Right. Uh, and
1: I've I've also done quite a bit of work with uh, Grant Wood. I've got two books on Grant Wood, uh again uh so spiral bound. Um one is called Grant Wood's Clear Lake Summer and the other is called Grant Wood Abandoned Plans, which were projects that Grant Wood started but never finished. And uh, the one on Clear Lake Summer is, of course, about the last summer of Grantwood's life that he spent in Clear Lake, Iowa.
0: It is a popular topic around here in Grantwood. I even did a paper on it in high school, went and tracked down his grave and took a picture of it.
1: Yes, in Anamosa, yes. But I just enjoy doing that type of uh, Iowa history. Um, and um, you know, my hope is always that it might uh, inspire other people uh, to do something similar, to, just to preserve some of these stories uh, so that they're not lost. Uh, and Vinnie Ream's connection with Iowa City uh, might be easily lost, so I'm glad, it, I'm glad it's been preserved.
0: Yes, I think it's great that, that you have gotten the word out on a lot of these things, and, and I really appreciate it. And maybe we'll have to have you back to talk about Grant Wood.
1: That would be nice. That would be very nice.
0: Well, uh, thank you. And it looks like we're just about out of time. Did you have anything else you wanted to share? No,
1: I would just like to say, I guess, that uh, I'm really pleased that you have uh, this type of presentation, the blog presentation, that uh, people can uh, can listen uh, to some of these stories, too. And I really thank you, Sarah, for inviting me to be on again. I enjoy that.
0: Well, I'm glad you did and again, I'm sorry that we had such troubles last week that was that no we...
1: that was no problem at all
0: <laughs> well i'm I'm glad that we got it, had a better chance at it this week and okay. um thank you and as I say, we may have to have you back again.
1: okay, thank you very much Sarah
0: <laughs> okay, and to everybody out there, thank you for joining once again with uh Trundle bed Tales and we'll have another episode up soon. And thank you for listening, and thank you for your patience, especially anybody who tried to listen to the first last week. I tried to delete it as soon as uh, it got finished, and it was obvious it wasn't going to be a whole episode. But I must have, it must not have, have taken that, because I went in today, and I looked, and it was there, and people have been listening to it. So if you did, I apologize, and I hope that tonight's episode makes up for it. Thank you very much, and have a great week. The <laughs>